We're going to be in Ezra chapter 4, among other places. Appreciate it. As I said Wednesday, I appreciate the preaching that was done in my absence. And I always enjoy listening to our men as they preach. Preach the word. And um, it's encouraging to me and to my heart. While we're finding our place still... A reminder to our men, we're going to have a, a Bible study, men's Bible study and time of prayer this Saturday at 7.30. So, um, men, if you'd put that on your calendar and make it if you can, it'd be a blessing. Ezra chapter 4, and we're going to begin reading in verse 23. Where the Bible says, now when the copy of King, what's his name? That's Artaxerxes is the way I would say that. Is that okay with y'all? Now when the copy of, the, now when the copy of King Artaxerxes' letter was read before Rehum and Shimshai, the scribe, and their companions, this is what they did. Artaxerxes is the king of Persia, probably the most powerful man in the world at that time. And when they read his letter, this is what they did. They went up in haste to Jerusalem unto the Jews and made them to cease by force and power. They forced them to stop, to cease. Verse 24. Then ceased the work of the house of God, which is at Jerusalem. So it ceased unto the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Artaxerxes was the king that wrote the letter but when they ceased the work, it, it ceased until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. So the work stopped. And then let's read in chapter 5 and verse 1. Then the prophets, Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Iddo, prophesied unto the Jews that were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel, even unto them. Then rose up Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, the son of Josedek, and began to build the house of God, which is at Jerusalem. And with them were the prophets of God helping them. So just to summarize what those four verses say... The king's order was for them to stop building, and they stopped building for a period of time. And through the preaching of Haggai and Zechariah, they resumed building in the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. So they quit working for a while, and then they went back to work. So... I want us to think about this subject tonight. It's time to get back to work. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you'd bless tonight as we look at your word and help us to 
be attentive to details that help us understand the history that we're reading about, but also help us to receive uh, the application as it pertains to our lives, maybe now, maybe in the past, maybe in, in the future, but the application that seems reasonable uh, as we look at this passage together, and we pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. In verses 23 and 24 of the second chapter, the third chapter, fourth chapter, excuse me, of Ezra, the word cease is found three times. Made them, verse 23, cease by force and power. Then ceased the work of God, the work of the house of God, which is at Jerusalem in a time frame. So it ceased unto the second year of the reign of Darius. So the work of God was ceased. Now, just think about this. And if you think about what is taking place, I think we could appreciate the seriousness of this. This was an important decision to halt the work of God. Now, you know, if we were to look at some building project or, or some, something we're involved in and something happens to make it stop, it'd be one thing, get, it's interrupted for something. But when, you, when the Bible uses this terminology, the work of God, to me it elevates the importance of it. To cease the work of God. And that was a big decision. And it was the work of God, if you think about it, this work of God that began, and I, 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 uh, I really have a, a fondness for the Bible record concerning this part of history. Really, when the, the children of Israel were in Babylonian captivity for 70 years because of their rebellion, and um, I just find a lot of practical uh, insight and application as a result of it. But the reason they resumed, the reason they even began this work was because of a mandate of another king of Persia whose name was Cyrus. As a matter of fact, turn a couple of pages to the left to Ezra chapter 1. And Ezra follows the, the book of 2 Chronicles. And what we're going to read about in Ezra chapter 1 was also written about in the last few verses of, of 2 Chronicles 36. But let's just look at Ezra chapter 1 and verse 1. Now in the first year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, that the mouth, that the, excuse me, the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. So um, again, just think about what, what Ezra is recording here. In the first year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord that by Jeremiah, he, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. Now, Persia is not a Christian nation. It's not Israel. This is, a, this is what is now Iran, I believe. It's a very a pagan place. And Cyrus was the king of Persia. Cyrus was the king. The Persian Empire conquered the Babylonians. And Cyrus was the first king of the Persians. And so God put it in the heart of Cyrus to let these people, these, these uh, captives, these Babylonian captives, go back to their homeland. I think it's one of the great miracles of the Bible. 
that God would stir the heart of a heathen king, a pagan king, to send his children back to, to rebuild uh, Jerusalem and, and the, and the uh, temple. So, so chapter 1 there of Ezra, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He was the king over the entire empire. And he, Cyrus is speaking, he, talking about God, hath charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem. At Jerusalem, which is in Judah. That's an amazing thing. So what, what caused these people to leave their captivity, to come back to Israel, to come back to their homeland, specifically to come back to Jerusalem? It was the mandate of Cyrus the king. So they've started this work. And we could say the work was initiated really by Cyrus, but it wasn't. It was initiated by God. It was initiated and orchestrated by God. So this work has begun and they've been building over a period of time until what we're reading about in Ezra chapter 4 and verse 23 and 24 when the work was ceased. And that's the work. The work was rebuilding the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem that was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. And this temple was the centerpiece of the entire culture. The, the Israeli nation, their, it was the centerpiece of the Hebrew culture. And it had been destroyed. And it had been laid waste for 70 years before Cyrus ordered, initiated Israel's return. And so now the Jews are coming back, and that was the period of time when Nehemiah wrote about. The Jews are coming back to their homeland. They're coming back to Israel. And here in Ezra, we'll read about one of those expeditions. And um, it, matter of fact, if you look in chapter 3 of Ezra, we actually have the, the, the timeline for when they actually began the work. Chapter 3 of Ezra. Now in the second year of their coming unto the house of God in Jerusalem, in the second month, and if you read through these dates and our people, you get to the end of chapter uh, Three and, and verse 8 where it says to set forward for the work of the house of God. So it's the second year after they return. So I, when I'm reading the Bible sometimes I just make a mental note about how details are important to God. It gives us dates, it gives us months, it gives us years. And so God is, God is interested and I'm glad he gives us those things. So we have accurate record, historical data about these things. So, so they begin this work and, and I'm not going to get into all of this, but as you, you're familiar with the book of Haggai, the book of Nehemiah, and here in the book of Ezra, there were many attempts by the enemy to stop the work. All kinds of things were thrown at them to try to get them to stop the work. And they kept forging forward until what we read in chapter 4 and verse 23, and that was when the king decreed that it had to stop. Now, it says in verse 23 of chapter 4 that they immediately went up to Jerusalem and made them cease by force and power. In verse 24 of chapter 4, 
The work ceased at Jerusalem, and it ceased, it says in verse 24, unto the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Now, it's estimated by what I can study and, and determine that this delay between the time they stopped the work during Artaxerxes' reign until they resumed it in Darius's reign was somewhere between 15 and 18 years. The work just lay idle. They were doing nothing. Now, do you think about this? Imagine the Jews who have been out of their homeland for 70 years. And finally, this very patriotic and prideful people, they were allowed to begin their journey back to Jerusalem. And they were able to start the work while Cyrus was the king. And they made some progress. We don't know how much progress they made. Surely the foundation of the temple for certain was made. Maybe some of the walls were started. But they were made to stop. And that would be a bad place to be. And then something very significant happened in chapter 5 of Ezra. And I'm just sort of making us all familiar with what's taking place historically. In chapter 5 and verse 1. Then, then in the second year of the reign of Darius the king of Persia, then... The prophets Haggai, the prophet, and Zechariah, the son of Iddo, that's a great name, prophesied unto the Jews that were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel, even unto them, they preached to them. They began to proclaim truth to them. And when they did, everything changed. Then, verse 2 says, rose up Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, the son of Jozadak, and began to build the house of God, which is at Jerusalem, and with them were prophets of God helping them. So as a result of the preaching, as a result of the prophets' ministry, this, they returned to the work. You might, wouldn't you like to know what they preached? Well, there's good news. We do know what they preached. We're going to go to it in just a moment. But, but this, is the part, this is the part of this history that we're going to focus on tonight. And please mark your place there in Ezra chapter 4. But I want to go get a few details from the writing of the prophet Haggai. That's who, that's who uh, the Bible tells us there in Ezra, whose preaching was actually used to, to get the work back going. And so let's go to the book of Haggai for just a moment and get a few more details and then really just focus in on what is taking place. Haggai chapter 1 and verse 1. Now just while you're turning there, in Ezra 4, in verse 24, it says that the work ceased until the second year of the reign of Darius the king. Now Haggai chapter 1 and verse 1 begins with these words, in the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua the son of Jozadak the high priest. So here we have in the book of Haggai exactly what Haggai was saying that had an impact on the work there in Jerusalem. And let's see what he said. Verse 2. Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying... 
This people say, referring to the Jewish people, this, peop this is what God says, this people say, the time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Now keep in mind, they started building the house and had been building it until they made to stop. And now Haggai is preaching and giving them God's word. And God's word is, Haggai, this is what the people are saying. It's not time. The time has not come. The time that the Lord's house should be built. Verse 3. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet saying, here's what he preached to them. Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses and this house lie waste? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. So we, we, you can read in the book of Ezra and not understand what the people were thinking. But when you read what Haggai said, you know what they were thinking. And what is that? They were thinking, it's just not time to build. It's not a good time to build. Time is not right. That, you say, how do you know that? It's because Haggai said to them, God knew what they were thinking. By the way, God always knows what we're thinking, right? He knows what we're thinking. He know, you know, we could, we could say, well, you know, I, I would have done that, but I had this to do. In our mind, we may really know that's not true, but God knows the truth. And God knew that what they were saying was, this is just not a good time. This is not, a, that, keep in mind, they started this building project because God Almighty worked in the heart of Cyrus, a, a king of a pagan nation. And said, I want you to send those people back to their homeland to build, to build their house, to build their house of worship. So they began to do it, and the people began to do it. But then when the order came from Artaxerxes to stop, they stopped. But they didn't just stop for a while, they stopped. And they weren't going to do anything until God sent Haggai to say to them, Here's what you're thinking. You're saying in verse 4, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Verse 5, Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. You need to think about what you're doing. Haggai, it wasn't even Haggai. Haggai was just the mouthpiece. This was God. God speaking through his prophet and said, You need to consider your ways. You need to think about your priorities. You're, you're taking care of your house. You're making sure that your house is taken care of. And he's very specific about that. You have time for your personal projects. And yet in the language of the Bible from God, verse 4 says, this house, God's house, lies waste. And I think that statement, those three words, the last of verse 5 are just, it's, it's very appropriate. I think very probing. Consider your ways. Think about this. You ought to think about this. See, they weren't, these people weren't against building the house of God. They just didn't think it was the right time. They, didn't, they weren't saying we should never do it. We're just not going to do it now. Now's not a good time. And they were content. Please stay with me. I know this is kind of a long introduction. The introduction will be longer than the sermon. But they were content to let God's work remain idle while they had all their time and energy to devote to their own personal agendas. And God said, consider your ways. 
Think about what you're doing. And by the way, the message worked. It resonated with these people. If you look in Haggai chapter 1 and verse 12, it says, Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the voice of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people did fear before the Lord. This, this message got their attention. They feared. You know why? Because God said to them, God said to them, I know what you're thinking. You're not really serious about doing my work now. You've got plenty of time to do your thing, but you're not interested in my work, and I think you need to consider your ways. And by the way, sandwiched in between verse 5 and verse 12 are some very um, important verses we're not going to cover for time's sake because it's not really pertinent to the message, but Basically, what he said was, you keep, you're, here's what's going to happen in your life. You're sowing much, and you're gathering little. Usually, it's just the opposite. You sow little, you gather much. He says, you're sowing much, you're, and he says, you, when you earn money, it's like you're putting, you're putting your money in a pouch or a pocket with holes in it. You know why? Because God wasn't blessing them. Because they were neglecting the work of God. They were neglecting the work of God, only focused on their own lives, and God, will, God didn't bless that. And by the way, I don't know that God is obligated to bless that. So the work resumed, Haggai 1.14. The very last part of verse 14 says, And they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts their God. So the work was resumed after this long delay, this protracted interruption, the work was resumed. Now, let's go back, if you would, to Ezra. I hope you kept that place marked. In Ezra chapter 4 and 5. And we'll spend the rest of our time there. But just to, just to fast forward and see the end result. Look in Ezra chapter 6 in verse 14. It says, And the elders of the Jews builded, and they prospered. We're in Ezra 6, 14. The elders of the Jews built and they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Iddo. And they builded and finished it. According to the commandment of the God of Israel and according to the commandment of Cyrus and Darius and Artaxerxes, king of Persia. And this house, verse 15, was finished on the third day of the month Adar, which is the sixth year, which was in the sixth year of the reign of Darius the king. So Haggai began to preach in the second year of Darius, and they began to resume the work. And the Bible says they finished the work on the sixth year. It took four years to complete this project. But thank God it was complete. I was reading this passage uh, fairly recently, and as I was reading it, I just thought about this very practical application and how relevant it is, how relevant it could be in any of our lives individually. I think there's a particular relevance to the time that we're in, in our country, in our world, but the thing that 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 God used to get these people out of their neglect of his house 
was his word. And the words of Haggai and Zechariah were not their words. They were God's words. Now think about this. And this is really what got my attention recently. They quit building because of a government decree. Right? They stopped building because of the letter that came from Artaxerxes. And they didn't want to stop. They, matter of fact, they had persistently overcome every obstacle that the enemy had thrown at them to get them to stop. And we've studied through Nehemiah before and this Ezra before. You're familiar with this, I hope. But they just kept doing everything they could to sidetrack them, to deceive them. The Jews did not want to stop. And the only reason they stopped was because a government mandate that forced them to stop. So what happened to them was out of their control. They didn't stop because they wanted to. They didn't, they didn't walk away from the work of God. Imagine putting down your trowels, putting down your shovel, and walking away from this, this divine project. It was the rebuilding of God's house. So they, that was out of their control. But the continuation of this intermission was because of their neglect. Can you see that? Because it was, because God rebuked them for not being back up on the walls building, right? God rebuked them. He said, what are you thinking about? How come you got time to do all your work, but you don't have any time for the work of God? God was rebuking them. So they, you know, it, it stopped because of a government decree, but it continued because of their own negligence. Um, I wrote somewhere where somebody made this comment about this that I think it's an interesting way to put it. And, I, and just listen to these words. The people allowed a delay that was beyond their control to become a delay of their choosing. And that's really what happened. It wasn't a sin to stop building. It was a sin for them not to resume building before God rebuked them for it. They were forced to stop because of the heavy hand of the Persians, but they continued to be idle for reasons of their own. And when I hear that, I think the same thing happens in our lives a lot of times where something happens to make us, uh, maybe for an intermission, maybe for an interruption, maybe for a temporary, say, well, you know, I can't, there's, I, I can't do this ministry now. It may be a job change or a schedule change. It may be a loss in the family or a hardship in the family. It may be the, a new child in the family. It may be the, some sickness that says, I just can't do this now. I mean, things happen in life, right? Things happen that force us to quit doing something we started doing. And we started doing it because we felt like God wanted us to do it. And yet something that we could not control stopped us from doing it. But then sometimes that temporary interruption becomes a permanent interruption. And that's not God's will. I'm, I'm not sure you're with me. Are you with me? You follow what I'm saying? I think that's exactly what happened in our, in our text. For good reason, we said, well, I just can't, start, I can't keep doing that now for good reason. But the reason has gone, but we've still not resumed doing it. And that's not God's will. God, we may have had to stop doing it for a good reason, 
But it's not God's will that we just stop doing it permanently. And that happens a lot of times in our lives. And so that's what we have here in this text. And there's obviously uh, the application, and I think it's a legitimate one, about the pandemic and all the shutdowns related to that. You know, uh, government restrictions. I don't think it was wrong for our church to quit assembling for a while. But it would have been wrong for us to continue not to assemble when, you know, because there was a lot of misunderstanding and, and I don't get all the politics of it, but, but we didn't know how dangerous the virus was, right? I mean, we didn't have a clue. We were, we, in those days, we just believed whatever they told us. I mean, I'm really, seriously, you look back on it, no matter which side of the issue, look, they were saying things were so that they didn't really know that were so. And by the way, they're still doing some of that. Saying things are really so when they're really not proven. They're not, they're, there's no real evidence of it. And they keep saying, well, just follow the science. Good luck. Now, I'm not saying the disease is not serious. I believe it is serious. It's, it's, it is very serious, and, and it's taking people's lives. I, you know, if you don't believe that, then... I do believe that. I believe it's very serious. But there's been so many contradictions. And my, but my, my intention tonight is not to debate the seriousness of the disease. But my intention is to show how sometimes you can stop doing something for a good reason and, and keep uh, neglecting it for the wrong reason. You may have to stop for a while, but you don't have to stop permanently. There are probably people sitting in here, maybe people who listen to this, that at some time in your life, for good reason, you started doing certain things in the work of God and you knew that was God's will and you wanted to do that and something made you stop but, but months go by and years go by and you're still stopped. Not because you had to stop but because you've chosen to stop. And that's exactly what happened here. And truth is, sometimes we may not even know our own heart about it but God knows our heart and God called them out really about what they were doing. He says, you need to consider your ways. And, I mean, we stopped. We not only stopped assembling, we stopped having Sunday school. Even after we started assembling, we didn't have, a, have Sunday school. We, we stopped community outreach. And we weren't setting the woods on fire with community outreach when we stopped, but we did stop. And... And some of our people just went not door to door because people, you know, were so upset. If you came to their door, they're going to be upset if you come to the door anyway, by the way, some of them. But they would get up so upset, you know, so we, we said, well, we're just, we don't give them another reason to be upset with us. We stopped run, running our van. We stopped our buses. We stopped going to the nursing homes because they said we couldn't. We stopped going to the jails and prisons. And those, and by the way, those were out of our control. We had no, they, when they said you can't come to the nursing homes, we couldn't come to the nursing home. When they said you can't come to the jails, now we could get into the jails. Some of our people have probably been to jail, but not as a jail ministry. They just got locked up. But when they said that, we, we, it was out of our control. But how wrong would it be if now that we can get back in the jails, if we said, no, we're not going to go now, or we don't care about them, or the people that are, thank God, we're in the nursing homes, three of them today, or normally on a Sunday, we had, one of them we didn't go to union today, but the, but the point is, 
would how wrong would it have been to say, well, you know, we used to go to the nursing homes, but we kind of got accustomed to staying home on Sunday afternoon, and therefore we don't want to go back to the nursing home. We took something that was out of our control and by our own decision quit doing what God wanted us to do. That'd be horrible, wouldn't it? And you may be sitting here tonight thinking, I think that's happened to me. Maybe in some other area of ministry. I think that's happened to me. You know, I used to do this. I wanted to do it. I felt fulfilled doing it. And something happened to get me out of the routine of doing it. And so I've just gotten accustomed to not doing it. And God is not going to speak to you in an audible voice. But he might speak to you through his word and say, you ought to consider your ways. You've got plenty of time for family get-togethers and working on the house and taking care of your house and going to whatever. You've got plenty of time for all that. Why is it you don't have any time for my house? Why is it you don't have any time to work around the church? Why is it you don't have any time to do things like that? You've got time for everything else. God's not going to speak to you audibly, but that's what God did to them. He spoke to Haggai the prophet and said, you need to consider your ways. You need to think about this. And I think any reasonable person, any thinking, rational person would come to the same conclusion they came to. It's not right to have all the time we need and want to do what we want to do, but no time to do what God says we ought to be doing. I think personally, I know there's some people that because of physical limitations, because of physical things that restrict them are just very, very limited on anything physical they could do. And I understand that. But I think a, a sincere honest person who's saved would come to the conclusion if I really wanted to I could find some time to serve the Lord if I really wanted to now we could find excuses not to but that's not what I'm talking about I'm talking about a person who would just be reasonable and, that was, and that's all he said was you need to consider your ways Think about what you're doing. We can let a temporary interruption become a permanent suspension. You know, I, I say this just painting with a wide brush. It's not something new. I've said it many times over the years, and I don't use it because I think people, it pertains to anybody in particular. But really, every age group could find reasons why, excuses really, but reasons why they don't have time to serve the Lord, you know. Well, we just got married, you know, and we just need to spend time together. Well, we've got kids now, and those kids keep us from doing it, and those kind of things. And, and you know, and then, for, you know, like my job's taking too much of my time, and I'm trying to build my career, and, and then... Uh, you know, well, I'm getting old now, it's hard. And there's always some, at every age group, there's always some reason why we can't serve God. And you know what? In our minds, 
at the time it seems reasonable. You know, that's why God said just very simple, consider your ways. Think about it. Just think about it. Is this really what God would want? There are a lot of things that life, I'm going to be just life in general. I want to say the devil, but I'll just say life. A lot of things that, that just occupy our time. And unfortunately, you know, we live in a very, very busy society. You know, when Brother Kuzel was with us, you know, he commented about that just how different it is just making the transition when you come into American culture from what it is in African culture, what it is in Latin American countries. They're very a slower pace, you know, not as, not as much filling their schedule, but we, we just com complicate it with all the things that we do that we don't really have to do. And all the time we spend, you know, on our phones. I, I, my, we traveled for two weeks and I can't tell you how many times I'd say to my wife these people are just flying by me and I'm driving at least the speed limit just leave it at that but just for the record I drive slower than she does no I'm just kidding and, the, and I'll just say there goes another one they're driving down they got their phone they can't live without their phone they can't live without looking at their phone they sit down at the restaurant they're looking at their phone I'm just telling you, we fill our minds with so much stuff. We got stuff, time for stuff on top of stuff. But how much time do we have to take a few tracks and go door to door and talk to people about the Lord? How much time do we have to say, Pastor, give me a Sunday school class. Give me a group of people that I can teach. Show me something I can do. Give me a... We don't have time for that. We're too busy for that. I think God says, consider your ways. Consider your ways. This is, a, this is not, this, when I read this text, when I first thought about this passage and thought about what's, what's going on in the culture, I thought this is a classic biblical example of what we're living in. But this is not a condition that's only related to the coronavirus. It's a factor in life. When we stop doing something that's good, because something interrupts it for a legitimate reason, something that's right, and we get accustomed to not doing it, and then we quit doing it as though we never were supposed to do it begin, to begin with. You know, I think about our theme. What, what time is it? What time is it? You know what time it was when God spoke through Haggai? And Zechariah the prophet, you know what time it was? It was time to get back to work. It's time to get back to work. And if you have been in the work and you've gotten out of the work or if you've gotten accustomed to doing nothing, it's time to get in the work. And you know what it was that got them restarted? It was the Word of God. That's what it was. It was just the word of God. Let me tell you something. Evangelism is not a program of the church. Evangelism is the work that God has given his people to do. 
To not do it is not say, well, I don't have time for that program. If you're not doing it, if I'm not doing it, we're neglecting the work he's given us to do. If you're a child of God, whether you're a young mother, whether you're an elder saint, if you're a child of God, we have been given a mandate from God to get the gospel out to people. It has nothing to do with our personality. It has nothing to do with our charisma. It has nothing to do with our winsome personality. It has everything to do. The word of God says so. So here's a question for us to consider. If I'm not involved in ministry at all, in any way, shape, or form, is it because God told me not to serve Him? Is that why we aren't? Is that why we're not in ministry? Or have I stopped for other reasons? And I think... I think if we'd be honest, we'd have to say we stopped for other reasons. There may be a period of time, like it was in their day, when they didn't have a choice. It was a government mandate that they had to follow. They did. But somewhere along the line, and we don't know where. I don't know where. You may, but somewhere along the line, if it was really 15 to 18 years between the time that Artaxerxes said stop and the second year of Darius when they resumed it, somewhere along the line, they could have gotten started back, but they chose not to. And God says, consider your ways. Do you really think it's okay for you to have time for your projects, your home, your agenda, your activities, your leisure, and yet you don't have time for serving me. Somewhere along the line. And God intervened. And got, just like he got a hold of Cyrus and said, you need to start to work, he got a hold of Haggai and says, tell them, tell them it's time to get back to work. And I'm glad, I'm talking about our church now, I'm glad we're back in the nursing home. I'm glad we're, you know, I'm, you know, I can remember when the choir wasn't singing. I'm glad the choir is singing. Aren't you glad about that? I'm glad about certain things that are happening, things. But I'm just saying there's a lot of work to be done. And if we're stopped for any reason other than God said stop, we ought to get busy doing what God wants us to do. Amen. And that's one of the things I personally, just as your pastor, the one of the things I'm praying for in our upcoming revival is that God would use his word during this revival meeting to truly revive us spiritually, revive us about his work, revive us about our walk with him, revive us about our opportunities that are around us. And I, I understand I understand that there's always going to be people in the church who do more than most people do. This church is that way. I've only been a member of two churches, but both churches were that way. And I'm saying there are people that are just, they're just really involved in a lot of stuff. And I, and I don't think everybody's supposed to be that way, but I do believe this. And I doubt if you can change my mind about it because I believe it's based on Scripture. 
I believe every member of the body has a function to perform. Every member. If you're a member, that's you. If you're a teenage member, that's you. Every member of the body is to be functioning and serving in that body. I'm not saying everybody's supposed to do what everybody does, but I'm saying everybody has a function, right? And we ought to find out what that is and be serious about it. And ask ourselves, is it really right? Is it really reasonable that we have time to do so many things that we want to do, and yet somehow we just don't have time to serve the Lord? And that was the question. God said, is it time for you to dwell in your sealed houses, your paneled houses, your nice homes? Is it time for you to do that and leave my house waste, let the house of God go waste? Consider your ways. Let's do that tonight. Let's just, let's just think about this. I, you know, the purpose of getting together and studying the Bible is not just to say, well, you know, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> no, the purpose of it is to let, it, let God use it in our heart to challenge us about His will for our life. Let's do that tonight. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. I'm going to ask you tonight just to take a few minutes and just think about your life, what you're doing as far as ministry is concerned. If maybe you've stopped doing something that for good reason, but the reason's gone and you're still not doing it. Maybe tonight would be a good night to say, I'm going to get back into doing this. I want to start getting involved in outreach. I'm going to get involved in discipleship. I'm going to get involved in ministry. Tonight I want to ask you, wherever you're sitting, either there or here at this altar, wherever, just say, Lord, I want to consider my ways. I want to, I want to really evaluate with an open mind and a heart why I'm doing what I'm doing, why I've stopped doing maybe things I was doing, let's ask God to work. God, I thank you tonight for your word. And, and Father, we think back what it must have been like in the days of Haggai and Zechariah when you charged them with this revelation to go before the leaders, the people there, and challenge them about why they were still in this pause in your work, in your house. And Father, I thank you for our church family, and I thank you for the, this house of God, the church of the living God. And God, we want to be faithful with what you've given us to do. I pray you'd, you would work in our hearts.